This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, Charles. Ciao. Uh, <laughs> we're talking, we're going to the, the tropical exotic land of Italy and talking about uh, Luca today. Mm. Um, so with Luca, they introduced kind of a generic sea monster dragon creature from folklore. We got in Little Mermaid, we had, you know, conventional mermaids as well as like half octopus witches. And then Aquaman, mm -hmm. we had like everything in between, as including like crab people. What's the like half human, half sea creature you want to see like in a movie next? I feel like they really were doing amazing things with Ursula, but I want to mm -hmm. know what amazing things you would do if given the creative reins. Hmm. I've been reading a lot of these stories about how <laughs> sailors were mistaking manatees for mermaids and how that's where all that comes from. And how <laughs> yeah, you know, it's wild yeah, yeah. To, it's, it's wild to think about that now because it's like, bro, that's not a human. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but but hear me out. Give me a movie that's about a bunch of talking manatees who are like, you know what? Fuck it. We are going to go up on land and get our people legs. And they're literally just like walking around full people leg from like okay. the waist down. But they're manatees up top. And they're like, hey, fellow mammals. <laughs> and it's not wrong. You know, it's not technically wrong. Okay. So you want to do street sharks, but with manatees. Yes. yes. Okay. Manatee, street manatees coming to you this fall, <laughs> except it's not because that'd be nightmare fuel. Let's talk about something else. Let's go Let's to it. the show. Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliam Moore, writer and culture critic at io9. And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions. Today, like I've already said, we're talking about Luca. Director Enrico Casarosa's Luca is Pixar's latest summertime animated feature that's recently premiered on Disney+. And we wanted to discuss both the movie itself and the conversations around queer representation in Disney films that it sparked. But first, we're rolling into Cannon Fodder, our quick breakdown of an interesting news story that's caught our attention this week. We're, get, we're getting a Beast Wars movie. Mmm, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Transform, <laughs> Transformers Rise of the Beast. Transformers yeah. 7, if anyone's uh, keeping track, um, is officially titled Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Um, a new film that is going to, uh, I guess, bring, you know... <laughs> Transformers Optim transforming Optimus into Prime and trans transforming into animals, but specifically, we're gonna ideally we're going to see Optimus Prime and Megatron turning into a gorilla and a Tyrannosaurus Rex, respectively. Um, after all of these movies, where we've seen them being cars and alien ships as they try to wage war against one another, um, suddenly I guess they're gonna try to take it a little more. I guess a little more of a stripped down approach because. It's the weird thing about, you know, this movie when it was announced um, is this idea floating around that it is it considers both the Michael Bay films and the Bumblebee movie uh, canon. And it's like, OK, that's that's interesting uh, because these you know, those those movies all revolve around the idea that the Transformers really are robots in disguise, you know, turning yes. into things that generally speaking, do not clock as like strange to the humans who end up, you know, realizing that they're in the middle of a robot war. If you see, you know, a humongous gorilla and a Tyrannosaurus Rex um, and a giant rat running around, I feel like that's going to 
it's going to cost. Like, the, 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 there's all these questions around this because, like, we were talking about this before the show. We both love Beast Wars. It is a, it's a wild, wild, like, riff on Transformers that if you were there for it when it was originally airing, it's, like, burned in your memory as one yes. of the best takes on the franchise. And, you know, it... Looking at it now, it's 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 wild and great to see Cheetor and Rat Trap being the same size, even though one is a cheetah and one is a rat. But how is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that translates to a live action film. The whole thing is weird. That uh, the, of what for one, I, I will say I'm excited about this for for only two reasons. One, you already named one. I love Beast Wars, and two, Bumblebee made me realize they can actually make a decent Transformers movie that is not just like robot foley porn. That is just <laughs> Michael Bay smashing his action toys together, and so right. uh, that that's got me like, if you had told me that trans that Beast Wars was the next one after the latest like Michael Bay one, I'd be like, oh, don't ruin something I love. But now I'm like, okay, you guys actually shown you can do this, and they're also like not setting it like in the same time as the Michael Bay stuff. However, they're not setting it in the same time as Beast Wars because Beast Wars worked because it was prehistoric. It was, yeah. They, yeah, they, yeah. they 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 looked for things to copy and only things to copy were gorillas and cheetahs and rhinos and that kind of thing and they're doing this one in 1994 i'm pretty sure gorillas and cheetahs and rhinos and dinosaurs did not exist <laughs> at the same yeah. exact time but yeah 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 <laughs> did they get they got the dinosaurs from bones right like the the, the decepticons oh, it has been think, a while it, i think they scanned bones and they're like we like these we're gonna be we a, might have a, to a do we honestly might have we might have to do an entire just like beast wars episode. but yes <laughs> i would yes. happily <laughs> i would happily good god it did not visually age well i i know it didn't but you know the wonder is still there um i mean I, the, the thing that i'm really interested to see with this movie is as much as um transformers is a really popular franchise I always felt like like Beast Wars was my entry yeah, point same. to the franchise. And I think that I'm not alone in that. And the Bay films, I think that th while they are like visually stunning, when, you know, listen, it's cool as shit when you're seeing Optimus Prime, a fire truck, turning into a yeah. robot in midair as he's falling off like a helicarrier. It looks cool. And I think that it definitely it checks off a lot of boxes for people who grew up with the original Transformers cartoon and like that was their thing. But I think that something like this definitely has the potential to tap into a different audience that, you know, the idea of cars turning into robots just wasn't particularly, you know, mind blowing. Um, something to also consider, though, is that this is still following in the studio tradition of like, you've got your Transformers movie and your story, but it is still also yeah. a human story. Um, we've got Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Dominique Fishback from um, Judas and the Black Messiah uh, cast as the film's two leads. And, you know, it's cool to see two leads of color in a movie like this. Um, but again, it does all just raise, like Beast Wars did not have no. humans in it. You know what I mean? Like that's so, I'm interested slash mm, a little bit, like I, 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 I'm trying to figure out the word for it. Not concerned, but just sort of like, how is this going to work? Because it's just if part of me wonders, is this just going to end up feeling a little bit like what the Jurassic World movies have become? No, with don't a little say bit of King that. Kong thrown in. <laughs> That's just being mean <laughs> at this point. Uh, yeah, no, but I get, I, yeah, I get no, you, no, I get you. I'm, yeah, because like I'm, I'm Bumblebee was when they got the human element pretty spot on right with like the the chemistry of it all. Um, mm. But the human element from the Michael Bay movies just kept getting worse and worse and didn't start off well. 
And the human element in the old Transformers cartoon right. was also like the most boring part of it. Um, and so, yeah, if you're going to have these guys set in the 90s, uh, hopefully they get the same chemistry that they got out of, um, what was the name of the actress in the first one? I mean, Bumblebee. Uh, what's her name? What's her I name? She's, she's like a musical artist too, isn't she? It's, ha- it's Haley, right? Haley Steinfeld. I was right. Uh, okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Listen, I'm in my mid thirties. There's no reason I should know who Haley Steinfeld is. Um, so I'm not going to apologize for not knowing her name. Mm. <laughs> Anyways, I'm excited about Beast Wars or Rise of the Beasts. Uh, and it's, uh, it's also like the, the, the crew that's running it is, is not, is again, like Michael Bay is not involved, which also gives me like hope. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, the director from Bumblebee is also like maybe attached as a producer for this. So, um. I'm excited. Good, good, fun stuff. You know, 90s kids will remember kind of thing. We're looking forward to it. Let's talk about Luca. Let's. Okay, so Luca is the latest Pixar film. It was one of their completely made at home projects. I guess it was like Mm. Pixar's made at home project when Raya was like a a Disney's made at home project. Mm. Um it's a uh, coming-of-age story set in Italy uh, with two best friend main characters. The director calls it a story about friendship and the friends you make like in that one summer together. Um, it's an interesting movie. I generally enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed watching it more than some of the other animated films I've seen recently. Um, mm. Definitely enjoyed it more than, say, Cruella, which is interesting considering I spent $30 to watch Cruella and then Luca was just part of Disney Plus. Hmm. Um, but there's like, I think there's a, there's an interesting big discussion about Luca that started before Luca even came out because everyone who saw it got immediate like, oh, is this going to be like Pixar's first endeavor into actually having queer representation in a real way in a film? And the director was not adamant, but was just like clear on like, no, this is particularly about, this is a platonic relationship between two young boys. Um, and it's just a story about friendship yeah i actually i was on the press junket for this and i i feel like a lot of the quotes that you're seeing going around came from my interview um i spoke to um enrico and he wasn't so much adamant he was just really sort of frank that like a lot of this was based on his own childhood experiences right um, sort of living uh spending his summers rather um on the italian riviera and having a friend in his life that was that sort of presence and force of change and pushing him to try new things um, and be adventurous, you know, the way that um, kids tend to be when they are free from the confines of school and just set loose into the wild. Um, And there is a lot of that in this film. Um, You know, this film kicks off with Luca, portrayed by or voiced by Jacob Tremblay, um, who is a fish monster boy um, who lives um, off the coast of this small Italian town, uh, Porto Rosso, um, with his mom and his dad and his grandma, played by uh, Maya Rudolph, Jim Gaffigan, and I'm not sure who's the grandma off the top of my head. And, you know, it's a pretty straightforward story about him wandering up to the surface where he's not supposed to be, where he meets another boy uh, like him, another fish boy, who is much more familiar with the reality that when they emerge from the water, they transform back into humans. And they, you know, go on an adventure amongst the humans um, in search of a Vespa. Um, And it's it's (laughs) when the, um, I feel like when the concept art first dropped, um, when the trailer first dropped and people caught wind of 
details like, oh, it's in Italy and it's about this magical friendship during the summer between two boys, um, people's minds immediately went to call me by your name. Um, right. Just because like, you know, Italy, um, queer romance, uh, which I want to I want to unpack a little bit um, and just, you know feelings um i don't i don't think anyone will be surprised to learn that luca is a very feelings forward movie the way that mm -hmm. all of these are but that particular combination of italy and two boys friendship and like very earnest feelings definitely read um as a potential for queerness not just because people were looking for it um, and projecting a bit, um, but also because Disney has a very long and storied history of saying, uh, we love the gays, please buy our pride merch during the month mm -hmm. of June, but only during the month of June, mm -hmm. um, and no gays for the movies, um, you know, to uh, which the fans have been varying degrees of um, <laughs> upset and sort of agitating for, you know, queer representation in film. Um, and over the years, uh, the studio has said, all right, well, we'll we're considering it. We're trying it. We're, we have one exclusively, uh, exclusively gay moment here. Um, a little you talk about it like there. it's like a, like a, like an interview, like the gays are interviewing to be part of Disney and they're like, okay, we love your resume. We're considering you. Well, we will, I, I we will let you I, know. I think, I mean, like, let's actually talk about that. Um, I think that something that often gets lost in the conversation about why fandom agitates for representation is right. that a lot of that does come from people wanting to see themselves on screen, right? And to say that so clearly puts some people off, but that is the experience that all people have when they watch and consume entertainment, um, be it a film or a movie or consume a book, you may not necessarily, how to put, if you are the audience that is being marketed to, you may not understand that you are in like a reciprocal feeling of seeing yourself on the screen and being reaffirmed by it. Um, yeah. But it is, it is happening. Um, fun fact, it's happening to you too. Um, and what people are really asking for is to have some of that experience. And obviously with a company like Disney, that is such a big fish in the pond when it comes not just to animation, but just entertainment as a whole. Um, you know, the calls have been um, understandable, I think, particularly because Disney, not, not just how to put, it's not just that Disney has not had queer characters in the spotlight. It's that the studio has a rather long history of winking and nodding at queerness, particularly with yeah. its villains, that feels like an acknowledgement of the fact that queer people exist, but a refusal to sort of, um, at, the, at least at the very beginning, um, cast them in roles as anything but villains. So, you know, with Luca, people thought, oh, what's going on here? And then the first trailer came out and they're standing in a cove and it looks like it's a heart. Um, and yeah, come to find, uh, after speaking with the director, it's not um, an explicitly queer film, but I came into this thinking to myself, you know, um, the intent of a film is always something to keep in mind, right? What the, what the filmmakers want you to take away from it. But obviously mm -hmm. watching a film is an interactive experience to a certain extent. And there's a lot of queer subtext to this film, right? Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, the boys, I mean, the boys even play, I mean, there's, there's because the, the fact that they're, they're uh, human presenting uh, individuals for a, a good chunk of the film while hiding the fact that they're, sea monsters it definitely mm. like even just that mirrors the closet experience of you know queer folk um, yeah there there is this there how to put there's a 
there's a queerness in this film in the way that it tackles these ideas about like hidden identities because you've got yeah. Luca hiding the fact that he's sneaking away from his parents. Um, you've got Luca kind of sort of hiding from Alberto uh, his, you know, his unfamiliarity and uncertainty about being surface side. You've yeah. got Alberto lying and sort of being in the closets, Luca about being an orphan. And it's all just yeah. very, it's obviously these are the sort of, these are the sort of secrets that characters hide from one another in all kinds of stories. But it is the, um, the accumulation of all of these factors <laughs> that really had people chomping at the bit for, you know, just a smidgen, a smidgen of queer representation. A lot of the pushback to the the questions about whether or not this film was about two little gay fish boys came from the concern about comparing it to Call Me By Your Name. And I think that that's always the, that's that, that it gets at an idea that's always at the heart of why people balk at um, calls for more, queer, for more queer representation. This idea that movies about queer kids have to be sexual or you know, quote unquote, mm. mature. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that in response to um, what the director said about this movie being about puppy love and the relationships that you have before puberty, um, on the one hand, I think that that's definitely valid and that's very real, right? A lot of this red like platonic friendship, but the mm -hmm. whole, oh, well, you know, they're too young to understand love is a very common, or that's not, that's not what was said, but that is sort of often the energy of the response to why can't we have, you know, stories about queer kids. Um, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, you know, kids aren't thinking about that, but it's like, oh no, we all remember what it was like to be 12 and to, you know, have a crush on someone that you met mm -hmm. for a summer, someone your age. It's like, oh wow, what is this? It's a magical summer where I'm in a country where I don't speak, oh no, no they speak the language, but you, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, um, yeah, the, yeah. Idea and, and a, the idea of a magical queer summer is something that we all, that queer people definitely understand as being a facet of growing up in the way that it is for straight people when you you know you're young you fall in love it's like it's wild it's great but yeah um, it, it it's also just it's 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 continuing that invalidation when when these conversations are had about how um uh, you know like the, the things like you're saying like these kids are too young to even be aware of their sexuality and that kind of thing or these kids are even too young to be thinking about you know those kinds of relationships it continues to invalidate anybody's story as a queer person when they're young i mean I, you you have little seven and eight year olds uh talking about having a boyfriend and girlfriend at school that that happens that's a, i have kids they talk about that kind of <laughs> stuff like and, and and my kids are even now still younger than uh luca and, and mm. Alberto and and so um it by by continuing to like kind of push that away because of those reasons you continue this cycle of uh not only failing to represent these characters in media but invalidating the people who identify with them like I can I can speak to you know uh, almost both experiences of validation in that as a white suburban boy uh you know living in middle class I saw that part of me constantly in media i had plenty of representation for that um you know i had heroes and i had uh uh you know protagonists all that kind of stuff so i saw plenty of that but i also grew up just like never seeing uh you know my queer side you know, in 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 most in any characters and that mm. uh i'm not saying that that could have like fixed me to have seen that but it sure as hell would have like 
helped me and 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 would have uh you know given me validation and that kind of thing mm. i mean it's it's those things that you don't realize until like looking back that you're like oh there was like you talk about there was the hint of these characters like i didn't know why when i was young i was like i don't think jafar likes jasmine i don't think he likes well for some reason i don't think he likes girls like it's because he doesn't like women he's <laughs> a, a raging queer who wants to be magical like that's who jafar is this episode of the real canon is brought to you by the rooster teeth store the rooster store just dropped something massive just in time for the new season you can pick up the exclusive limited edition achieve rick and morty collection that's right rooster teeth got with the good folks at adult swim and designed new shirts a hoodie a premium jacket and more featuring rick and morty characters in a style worthy of the achieve name it's the crossover no one saw coming Achieve Rick and Morty is available to buy it right now. So head over to store.roosterteeth.com to start shopping. I want to I want to I want to dig into this actually because while Luca is not an explicitly queer film, I do think that there is still a use in bringing a queer reading to it. Um both whether like regardless of whether or not you yourself are queer. It is interesting to sort of come at films from a different perspective and as a text about the experience of you know, really having a profound friendship that knocks you over like a train and then changes your life and then feeling the fear of that friendship really leaving you. Um, this film is really excellent at that, I think. Yeah. Um, what I, the thing that I, I ended up liking this movie a lot more than I thought I would, right? Um, right, Because as, as a film, you know, as a film about um, the, you know, the, emo the emotional tumult of, you know, really falling in love with your, I, I, the, the thing is, this movie is about love, right? Not, it's not romantic love, but it is about that powerful love that exists between friends when you're, yeah. you're young and almost sort of unconcerned with hiding the fact that you really are just sort of like magnetically attracted to that person in like a powerful existential way. Like you just want to be around them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, e e even their relationship with like Julia is is that no, like but that's, so that's what i want to so that's what i want to talk about i do want to talk about julia actually because so we're talking about um i do not know how to pronounce the character's last name but the actress's name is emma berman uh she uh portrays julia um this uh fishmonger's daughter who is human and lives in uh porto rosso who um she visits the uh, she visits uh, the city every summer to stay with her father and compete in the local race uh, for a cash prize. Uh, never wins, uh, even though you know she she she, particip she participates alone in the triathlon and she just can't quite cut it on her own. And the three kids end up becoming friends and they set out to win the race. You know, very very yeah. uh, simple Disney plot. Um, but what ends up really sort of becoming the emotional battle of the movie is. A jealousy that develops between—I um, don't want to get into it. Well, yeah, we're, we're not going to spoil the movie, but um, all of the kids feel a different kind of jealousy for one another that manifests itself in different ways. Um, yeah. Because, in a weird way, Luca is this presence in both um, Alberto and Julia's lives. Um, that really lights them up, even though Luca himself thinks, and he is for, uh, to a certain extent, the sheltered kid. Um, yeah. he is sort of like the catalyst for both of them to become like much more dynamic versions of themselves. Um, yeah. and I think that the power of that feeling really causes both Julia, um, and Alberto and Luca, 
um, to do things that hurt one another in ways that read as very authentic to me. Because kids are fucking mean, right? Like when kids really, <laughs> and not like when kids, it's not, there's a difference between like when a kid wants to be mean and like when a kid is truly scared and does something. And there yeah. is a moment towards um, the latter third of this film that I, I wouldn't, I won't, I won't say I was surprised by it, but I definitely did not expect it. And it kind of like hit me hard. It's like, wow, there's a, there's a, there's a hurtful moment. There's a very hurtful moment. And it is a moment that does read as, I feel like if you have ever been profoundly hurt by someone who you cared about, the, the moment will resonate with you, but it definitely does have a queerness to it. And I think that yeah. that's partially because like I'm gay. Right. And so I'm bringing my experience to the film and yeah. the moment that it, you know, that it echoed for me was definitely related to my queerness. Um, and I think that in a way, while I would very much love for this to be a film, you know, about these two boys giving each other a smooch on the cheek and being like, ciao. Um, I think that in being very good at hitting those narrative beats or rather hitting those emotional beats that are really supposed to, show you who these people are in doing that it makes it that much easier to sort of have a queer reading of the film that doesn't feel like a reach and a stretch you know yeah um we were talking before about uh, <laughs> we were talking about anthony mackie's comments about how there are no depictions of straight friendship anymore and it's like ha wrong watch luca um <laughs> what was but, the word um, he used to, it was like it was like it was like it's become problematic or something to show or um, what, street. Uh, yeah, he was talking. Um, he was talking about how um, people were projecting. People, well, people are projecting more. I think is what the subtext of what he was really getting at. Even though what he said wasn't worded quite well, I think he, no. what he was trying to get at was that um, a lot of the fandom, and I feel this way as well, to be honest with you, a lot of the fandom that was shipping Bucky and Sam and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier really were doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, right. because there, so there was so little of that chemistry. Personally, I think that there wasn't all that much chemistry on the screen, I but also that motion, but also textually, there was no real basis for them to have any romantic interactions with each other whatsoever. You know, Bucky's literally flirting with Sam's sister in front of him. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think that that's gay flirting. You guys, I think they're just, I think that, I think, I think Bucky, he might be bisexual, but he's not trying to get with Sam and that's okay. Yeah. Right. Like that's okay. And that's, I don't really think that, that, well, I'm not going to get into a conversation about that show, but, um, in a way that I feel like you really had to squint from a distance in like good conditions to see queerness in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, it's much more immediately self-evident, um, in Luca and worth really, I don't know, like spending some time with, uh, cause it's. Um, it's weird. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, I guess it's not that bad. But when you step outside of the Disney walled garden, like animation has become infinitely more queer. And it, you know, by comparison to what Disney's doing, it's like, oh, my God, you guys let the boys hold hands. Um, Because like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 sort of like, I don't know, for for lack of a better term, kind of unfortunate that Luca has to come out in this environment. And because I agree with you, Luca is like a really well done movie. Um, mm. it's, 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 it's beautiful. It's, it's got great child performance. It's, I mean, even the supporting cast and adults like performing with it are great. The, um, the, uh, Julia's, uh, father, uh, Mr. Marco Valdo, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Massimo. Massimo. Um, mm-hmm. great. He's a great character. And, and Luca's family was, was wonderful with Maya and Jim. And, 
And the movie, like you said, has really good emotional moments. Um, I love that the movie just gets in and out at a crisp 95 minutes. Oof, um, we love it. We love it. Yep. Make more hour and a half movies. Um, <laughs> and it, it, so it's, it's, it's like, and, 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 and the director himself, like he, he wrote this, his director and writer, he wrote this movie from his own personal experience. And so it's like, it's, it's clearly from an experience of like someone who was a shy misfit and then he found two other misfits and they, and they become, they, 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 you know, they find strength within each other outside of the, the popular kids pointing fingers at them. And so it's, it's a great movie in its own, but it's it's trying to live in an environment where, in Disney's landscape, it's just a desert of no of little to no queer representation. So, if Luca would had been able to come out, you know, after Disney had done a much better job of showing that they actually want to have queer characters in their movies and their shows, we we probably wouldn't be having as much of this conversation. But like you were saying, Disney is falling behind with everybody else, like racing forward with with uh you know not a uh a, you know a, a a plethora of queer representation representation but way more than like when like way more than when i was way younger. more I mean, and it's just going way deeper um i mean it's 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 something oh like what's a good example like i i have been talking about steven universe forever listen it is insane how queer a show that is like like you've got a whole queer wedding plot we've got dysfunctional relationships we've got healthy relationships mm-hmm. we've got interracial relationships we've got you know it, we've got relationships that are queer on but it's 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 well they they, they even like managed to like go around and talk about like uh, non-binary mm. people and they, they even right. like touch upon trans people and it's just like and there's it's insane how it does it all with yeah it does with all within a a children's show format i i i, I i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hold the children's show format against it but it's just like steven universe does it with such a matter of factness that it really does by comparison make it seem as if all the other it makes it seem that a lot of other teams truly just aren't willing to even try um because on the one hand we're talking about um could a film like luca even broach the idea of queerness but then you have shows like steven universe or she-ra where we're full-on getting into like queer heartbreak and making up you know with again within you know these shows that you would not necessarily expect the most quote-unquote serious subject matter from right um it's it's the it's the level of accessibility that they reach that is a yeah impressive yeah and it's it's I think part of it is also the fact that, you know, Disney and Pixar, they treat a lot of their content like events. You know, they are these big moments that, you know, everyone is supposed to stop and pay attention to. Um, right. But in doing that, it's kind of like, OK, it only further, you know, it only it only really kind of highlights how sort of how fast a lot of it has been. Um, we all remember Endgame and it's just like, why? Why are we doing this? It's not. No, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. We didn't have to. We didn't. We truly just could have skipped this, and it would have been fine. If if it just hadn't been the director, if it just hadn't been the director, it could have at least been a little bit better. Well, I will say this: like we are looking forward, right? And while Luca was not um, the Disney queer representation that uh, the people were looking for, um, we have Eternals on the horizon. Um, we've got Brian Tyree Henry as Fasto, um, who will be married to a man. In this upcoming film um mm-hmm. which is okay cool you know it's the thing is like when you're late to the game it's like when you finally do it it's like okay 
what do you have? Um, and I, that's, that's like, that's kind of like, that's how, that's like how I'm coming to it because then it's, right. it's very conspicuous that I'm like, it's, if you want, if you want ancient gay men, we've already got the old guard. Okay. That's the we, thing. We, it's like we, we've got the old guard and we've got like, all right, is there going to be a beautiful speech about how they've been like in love throughout time? I'm not going to, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, it's not fair to, it's not fair to, it's not always fair to hold these up no. against one another, but it does just sort of raise the question like, all right, um, at what point is the queer representation truly just going to be normalized where it's not a first, right? A first is important, but a first should not be the only thing. Um, And the only way that you get to the first not being the big thing is to keep doing it for a while. Um, So, you know, we've got Eternals coming up. Um, Apparently, Valkyrie's bisexuality will finally be addressed in the next Thor movie after being wholly glossed over in the first, which is again like, okay. All yeah. right. You know, when the Valkyrie line comes up and she's like, I've betted a lot of lasses in my time. Wink, wink. It's like, okay. <laughs> Verily. Oh, poor Valkyrie. Poor Valkyrie. We, we had, we had so, so, such high hopes. Yeah, it's like one of the scenes, like, I believe it when I hear it, Disney, at yeah. this point. And I look forward to it. And, and I think that's just like all, you know, these conversations, are, you know, all that I'm hoping to get out of these kind of conversations with any kind of representation is that it just becomes normalized and we don't have to have these conversations anymore because it's just like, it's just as common as seeing a boy trying to date, you know, a girl at high school. Like, it's just, mm. it's no longer like a big event where like, you know, you know, Hulu's like, oh, we got a, our first gay Christmas movies. I've, okay. I, I just want, no, I just want them just to be normally showing up in, in anything. Um, I don't need the events anymore. Just, just have them in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, we, 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 we spent a lot of time talking about the, the whole queer conversation about it, but mm. I, I, I do want to spend maybe if we can a little bit of time just talking about how the movie felt as a whole. Yeah. I know you and I were having a conversation like this was, it was Pixar's, you know, almost completely at home made film. Yeah, when I was inter- when I was interviewing the cast and the <laughs> the director and the uh, the animation supervisors, it really hit me like, oh, y'all made this in your like homes and apartments, and people were like, yeah, yeah we recorded our sessions in our closets, and I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it does. I I do think that. Um, there is a way that this definitely feels like a pandemic era movie, not in a bad yeah. way, but in just no. like, a, oh yeah, this is a thing that came out during that very specific period in time. Yeah. I, I, I like, uh, you, you can, whether you're part of the industry or whether you're not at this point, I think you can tell when something has, uh, scope and when something has limitations. And mm. like, if you were to compare Luca and it's scope to something like Finding Nemo, you can tell where they had to, you know, cut corners, not cut corners, but like, you no, know, I put think, a dot I think at the end of the sentence. Crafted, I think it was just crafted to be a smaller story from the beginning. And I think it was an economic choice, just not. Yeah, that's what money, I mean. But just, but just in terms of just like, like, all right, like we're going to do this thing. And is it going to meander? Nope. You know, they're really, yeah. Luke is a lean movie. You know, it's not yeah. overstuffed with songs with a bunch of characters who you never see again. It's really just like Luca and his crew, his family, these two little old ladies, and that's it. Yeah. It it doesn't really jump around to a ton of different sets, which are a huge asset ask for these kinds of films where mm. it's kind of like they built out this kind of main part of Porta Rosa and then like, you know, the, the, uh, the Julia's house 
and and uh, Alberto's tower and that kind of thing, and then this one beach that they keep going back to, you know, uh, and and you can tell like that's like where they left that kind of you know uh, limitations to, um, and there's not a ton of. There's not a, a huge cast of characters that kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, the movie's 95 minutes and they just, they stick on the, the, the small group of characters. There's not like 16 different little characters that show up for little, uh, laugh moments. Like in a lot of other, uh, Pixar movies <laughs> where a character just is there to like make a joke and then end the scene, you know, they truly get uh, the, they get the cutesy animals out of the way in the first five minutes. And it's like, all right, we get it. The sheep or the fish. Cool. Moving yeah. along. And as a, as a grown ass man, I was very down for that. I was, I, I, <laughs> well, because I think that, I think that because Luca, um, is such an intimate movie about people's, I mean, all these movies are about people's emotions and their feelings, but I think sometimes there's a way that the emotions in Pixar movies can get swallowed up by the grandeur of everything that's going on, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you're watching The Incredibles and Bob and Helen are like, we need to talk about our marriage. And it's like, you guys are in the middle of a bunch of flashing <laughs> TVs that are giving people seizures. Can you, like, focus on the matter at hand right now? <laughs> <laughs> and, I love how much you get hung up on when characters become unpractical. I'm and like, how, honey, like, like, you're, like, there are people shooting at you. Not now. Not now. <laughs> And I get like, it's not how movies work, but this is very like, all right, no, no, no. But like the most important thing that's going on in all these characters lives or one another, you know, it's not honestly the race. It's the race is just backdrop, you know, and it does serve for some of the movies more actiony moments. Um, But, you know, the the exciting moments, the thrilling moments. It's really like, oh, no, I've gotten wet and I have to hide my fish form from my friend. And (laughs) let me hide behind a blanket. Um, which yeah. makes <laughs> which makes it sound less interesting than it is. No, but it, but it really it 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 works. It just really works. I did love how matter of fact they just decided to make the transformations. Like it wasn't some sort of like big magical moment or some like taxing transformation that it just allowed them to just kind of go like, hey, audience, come here. This whole transformation thing they're going to do, they're going to do it a lot throughout the film. They're really just going to shake off water and be fine and turn into humans can you just roll with that i'm like yeah i'm cool with that and i love it that you know it doubles back onto this idea of like um, being forced to reveal one secret you know being pushed out of a closet you know it really isn't it's just like listen regardless of whether you want it or not if you get wet like that's it um yeah and it just it it does serve to really show off um, some of the movie's more complicated animated sequences um a lot of the action in the movie rather a lot of the a lot of the visually busy moments, and I mean that in a very positive way. It's when it, yeah. you know, it's when the kids are splashing around in water, when they're swimming, when they're leaping out of the water and transforming mid leap. Um, the leaps, I'm mean, rather their transformations. They're very mystique like, you know. Um, oh yeah, because of the I got, like, very scaly. Because it's very scaly and it's very sort of. It really isn't magical. It feels like a biological process that's really yeah. just sort of um, reflexive. Um, they just kind of roll into being humans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, something that I did really appreciate about this. Um, there are a couple of moments where the film goes even more fantastical when Luca is fantasizing about mm-hmm. things that he's been told, things that he doesn't understand. And I think that the move that's when the movie's at its most visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me, it's, it's, it's funny, it reminded me of Over the Moon, actually, because there's a lot, uh, he spends a lot of time thinking about space. Um, and there's an almost storybook like quality to it that I was not expecting. 
Um, like all Pixar movies, this has like a very distinct feel and tone to it. Like you feel like mm-hmm. you're peering into a, a precious little diorama filled with moving people. But this mm-hmm. felt, it reminded me of, um, is it Yoshi's Woolly World? Yeah. It reminded me of Yoshi's Woolly World when he's like, you know, <laughs> flying up in the sky with Alberto. And just <laughs> well, the, the, the director's, uh, the director's other film was the short film La Luna. So, I mean, he, he, he likes, he likes the space. Hey. Um, I had to look up what you, I was like, what was over the moon? And then I looked, I was like, oh yeah, I don't remember, I remember not liking that very much. Um, <laughs> I was kind of bummed out by over the moon. Uh, even though it was a Glenn Keane project and I, I, I love Glenn Keane. Um, mm. anyways, uh, yeah, the, 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 it, it, it does get at its best when it goes into the fantastical world of inside of Luca's head when he's daydreaming about, you know, Vespas and that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Can we meet Senior Vespa? I do like Senior Vespa. <laughs> yeah, the 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 movie is small, but it uh you, you know we all I mean anybody who watches it knows like when the timings come out you're like well, this is probably a COVID movie, um and it doesn't like overstay its welcome which I appreciated I you know there's there's been a few other films that I've been you know watched recently where even my kids turn to me and they're like is it almost over? And that's bad when a kid turns to you during a kid's movie and is just like already kind of like done with the length of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, it's, it's not, it's not hindered by its limitations, but it's clearly Pixar's most limited film, I think, in my opinion. Oh, wow. Goodness. I wouldn't say that. I just think, listen, listen, getting it out. I feel like say your thing, be great at what you do and peace out. And the movie did it. I listen. The I, I feel like the the leaner, the better with these things. I I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. I, I, I do. You, do you do you think like leave the story there, or like you think they're going to revisit and do more Luca Luca two? Now here's the thing. The way this movie ends, <laughs> the way this movie ends does have a lot of parallels to Call Me by Your Name. I'm not like I'm I'm not I'm I I I. I <laughs> there's a whole there's a I won't get into it, but um. No, <laughs> I think, listen, could there be a Luca 2 where they're teenagers and they go on, I don't know, spring break? Sure, maybe. Um, and I can neither say either way as to whether or not that would be interesting because who knows? But uh, who knows? Who knows? I'm fine at this point with Pixar continuing a pretty good tradition recently of like not focusing a ton on sequels mm. and 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 really kind of like uh giving a lot of creators out there opportunities to like bring their original ideas to screen like this this is a great, great example of like the the this is the director's first feature director directorial uh opportunity his first feature writing uh uh opportunity he's been mm. part of the story of a lot of other stuff and he and he did the he directed la luna um but it's 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 you could tell this is like a pet project from somebody who had a lot of a uh, connection to this story. And I think that, that, uh, that showed in the final product. Mm. Well, anything else to talk about Luca? Nah, nah, this was a, it was a cute little film. It was a cute little film. And, uh, it was made me, um, it made me smile twice. It made me, it made me want to, I gotta go to Italy. Let's go to Italy. I want to go to Italy. I've been to Italy, man. Italy's nice. I've never been. I need to get oh, out man, there. You gotta get out. You gotta get out there. Florence is gorgeous. All right. Post-pandemic trip. We'll do it. <laughs> All right. Take us out. 
That brings this episode of The Real Canon to a close. If you liked what you heard, and we know you did, be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss a single show. We have new episodes coming out every Tuesday. And if this episode was your first time checking us out, thank you. Thank you for checking us out. It was so nice of you to do that. Um, why don't you help someone else check us out and, and like tell them, like, hey, there's this really cool show called The Real Canon. They talk about pop culture, nerd culture, genre culture stuff, and it's really cool. And uh, that, w- that would help us grow our audience even more. We'd appreciate it. Thank you. All right, get ready, get hyped, and we'll be back next week with more of The Real Canon.